everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today. Along with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Today, we are recording episode number 141 of the Malthouse Games Podcast. The last episode 140 was my phone recording episode about Token Con. You know what I realized after that? What's that? And I think I, so I, I came in and did a, like, post-production Delton before and after uh, the token con stuff. And I didn't think about it. I have my Zoom H6. Why didn't I take that for us to record on so it could have been higher quality and not sounded like a shitty phone? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I was like, that's the reason I have that. But it was just one of those things where I, I think it just, we'll just use our phone. And then I didn't even think to try to, because you can bring it and it has an attachment for an interview microphone. I don't know. Stupid. But we got the podcast done, and it had been released. And so if you are interested in hearing more about TokenCon 23, we will not be covering that in this episode because we covered a whole episode about it last week. We did. You can hear us rambling about the random things we did. Yes, uh, so this week, we're actually going to go before the TokenCon episode, and we're going to tell you about our anniversary weekend because you haven't had the chance to hear about our lovely time together. Let's go back in time to March 13th, 2023. What'd we do? So, <laughs> well, uh, we had a grand old time is what we did. So the Saturday before, we ended up getting up bright and early in the morning, and Delton was really kind to me and drove me an hour and a half out east to Keystone State Park, which is one of my very new favorite Northeast. hiking areas. Northeast. And it's not in the state park. Wasn't that okay? <laughs> well, okay, well, here's the thing. Here's where it gets confusing. There are two parks. There are two Keystone Parks. There's Keystone State Park and there's Keystone Ancient Forest. They touch each other. They hold hands. They touch butts. They do touch butts. They touch butts. One of them costs $8 to get into and is open 24 hours a day. The other one is free but open three days a week. And that free one is Keystone State Park. It has the best hiking, the best views. You said State Park, Ancient God Forest. dang it, Ancient Key Forest. Keystone Ancient Forest is free, open three days a week, and has a fantastic a set of hiking trails with beautiful views and it's well kept. Keystone State Park costs money, but is also a nice place and, and has, has other camping. little trails and camping and the actual lake. And $17 t-shirts. Yes. And so we went to the Keystone Ancient Forest and went on a hike about. Uh, if you ever are in the area, it has wonderful family-oriented uh, trails as well as very difficult trails. They have ADA-compliant trails and they also have ones where you are going off-roading, my friend. Yep. And Delton burned a lot of calories and gained a lot of butt muscle. I think it was 1,600 calories, and I think it was only within the last week that my knee finally stopped hurting, literally doing everything. So I think it's finally recovered. But it was worth it, because right after that, we drove to Tulsa, America to have our weight in Mexican food at Elote. We did. We went to a restaurant called Elote with our friend Kyle. Uh, we were able to see him and visit, and we ate some good lunch, and then we went to... Uh, a store that's basically animal bones and interesting things like that. And I was like, is this, I thought you couldn't sell animal bones. And they had a little sign that was like, we have approval and certificates and everything's traced because technically you can't just go find a skeleton and then sell it. Yes. You have to have a, a approval from the state wildlife department and stuff like that. And this place actually does that for all of their different skeletal and preserved animals. But apparently not for human bones, because they had a whole-ass human skeleton that was a formal uh, medical skeleton, and that was just for sale. I think it has to be so old. I, I hope so. There, it was just there's like a like line. Out there in the open, just like hanging, saying, hi, my name's Charlie. I said, hi, Charlie. 
I'm so sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we went to that. It was pretty neat. Uh, and then we went to, what's the vintage store we like? Love Me Two Times, baby. Love Me Two Times. It's uh, a pretty neat vintage store. It's where we bought my jacket. Yes. Uh, I bought a old Ninja Turtle. I can't remember what else we've bought there. I am going to be buying my Shania Twain concert outfit there. My sister and I are going to go see Shania Twain on June 3rd in Tulsa. And the very next day, we're going to go see Beartooth in Tulsa. So I'm going to need two very different outfits. Uh, basically, yeah. Or I should just wear the same for each. I just got to figure out which one I'm going to represent. No, I should just dress like a hippie or I should dress, I don't know, in a suit for both. There you go. There we go. Throw everybody off. Throw everyone off. But yeah, so we did that. Uh, after that, Kyle had to go to work and we wanted to come back home so we could spend the rest of our, our day together being our anniversary weekend. And so we came back. What did we do right away? Did we just come home and sit at the house and eat and stuff? We came home. We had dinner. We fell asleep on the couch mm-hmm. at like 730. Is that what we did that day? Was yes. that not hot pot night? No, hot pot night was the next night. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Woke up bright and early the next morning at like 536. I made yep. biscuits and gravy. Yep. And then we hung around the house all day, played some board games. What did we play, Delty? I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's okay. Hold on. I'll look. Is that what you're wanting? I'll I don't look. know. <laughs> I kind of forgot what game we played. We did play games. When was this? This was March 12th. Uh, did we play the uh, Lord of the Rings game that day? Yep. Okay. That, yeah. was, that was it. We played Lord of the Rings game that day. I appeased Delton after he appeased my hike. And then we had a big spread of hot pot and watched what movie did we watched, Delton? So, yes, we had a giant spread of hot pot, which was delicious. And then we proceeded to watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is the Nicolas Cage movie about Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage, also featuring Pedro Pascal. And it was great. It is a very, very fun time. It really was. And I have to say, your new ADHD medicine is working really well because you had a great recall. What do you mean? On the whole date just now. Oh. There you go. You did it. I did it. Yay. Speaking of that, I am drinking a non-alcoholic beer today. Haley is drinking a regular beer. Uh, we are going to taste each other's beers. But methylphenidate, which is the main like active ingredient in the Ritalin side of ADHD medications, is still on a nationwide shortage. So all the people that take Ritalin were switched to things like Concerta and, and some other ones. Basically, right, which is Concerta is the brain na- brand name, not the brain name. The brand name of what I was on, which is I'm methylphenidate, uh, I was using the generic of Concerta. Well, that, since everybody that had Ritalin was being switched because you couldn't get Ritalin, now you can't get these other medications. Well, there's one that's new within the past, like, three years called Journey, and, or Journey. Uh, Journey is the first ADHD medication that you take at night. And so you take it anywhere from 10 to 14 hours before your normal wake time with or without food. You kind of have to figure out what works for you. And it has an extreme delay until it starts to release. And then it releases and it lasts, you know, a full day. It's an extended release past that. So I've switched to that. And technically, you are not supposed to drink alcohol with ADHD medication because the alcohol can theoretically uh, make the methylphenidate release at a faster rate. Uh, which means basically your body would get all of that stimulant at once or very close to it compared to over time, which would be a bad. So better safe than dead. So right now, while I'm getting used to the medication, making sure it's all working for me, uh, I need to talk to my doctor about it. But 
once I confirm it would be okay to have like a beer or two, then I will. But for now, I'm not drinking alcohol, so I have a non-alcoholic beer. So that beer today, I know I've talked on the show before about Athletic Brewing Co., which is, I think, probably the best non-alcoholic beer company at this point because they have IPAs, they have stouts and heavier beers, they have all kinds of stuff, and I really like, uh, I just, I think that they actually taste good. Like, non-alcoholic beers can be good, but this is by far the one that's the most like a beer. Yes, it tastes like a beer. It tastes so much like a beer that this is John Moxley's drink of choice after he wins the title at AEW. (laughs) Yes, a craft beer, too. Uh, so this is Free Wave, their hazy IPA. Uh, it is a 12-fluid-ounce can. It's only 70 calories. Uh, the alcohol by volume is technically all non-alcoholic beer is less than 0.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, ju- I will just read this because I can. Uh, at Athletic Brewing Company, we are pioneering a craft brew revolution. We believe you shouldn't have to sacrifice your ability to be at your best to enjoy great brews. So we created our innovative, I was going to say innovative, innovative lineup of refreshing non-alcoholic craft brews. Uh, 2% of all sales go to restoring local trails. Well, that's nice. I didn't know that. That's cool. They are based out of Stratford, Connecticut, and San Diego, California are their two locations. And it's marked as vegan. Delightful. I wonder if they have any that aren't. That's a great question. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, so this is their Hazy IPA, Free Wave. I mean, it tastes like an IPA. You got the hops, the pungency. It's not like it's a, you know, ridiculously, uh, it's not anything super specific. I don't know. It smells like citra hops. I mean, definitely like citra hops. But I mean, like as a beer, it's not like one of those IPAs that is going to be massively different than another IPA. But it's really good. Like, I was surprised by this one cracking it open and going, oh, wow, they did a really good job. That is a standard IPA right there, my friend. Mm-hmm. But it's good. What are you having, Haley? I am having a Sierra Nevada Classic, which is Torpedo Extra IPA. This was one of the first beers that I've ever had that was not just like a Bud Light. Like, Delton showed me Guinness, and they said, you should try Sierra Nevada. And I feel like I just went pedal to the metal because I went from drinking, like, Moscato wine to drinking this shit. And it is some of the most intense, uh, bitter beers I have ever had. And it is delightful, and it's one of my favorites. And I hadn't had it in a very long time. And we were watching Adventure Archives, which is one of our favorite uh, hiking channels. And they had a really long hike, and we always like to watch until they do their post-hike meal. And one of them had a Sierra Nevada Torpedo, and I was like, I haven't had that in forever. And so this weekend when we went to go pick up Delton's beer, I actually picked up a six-pack of this. And got me a torpedo for old time's sake. I don't think I've had this since I was in graduate school. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. But it's just as I remember it. It punches your tongue, makes you feel alive again, makes you feel something. It's delightful. It's delicious. It is hoppy. It is Sierra Nevada's classic. Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA, 7.2% alcohol by volume in a 12 fluid ounce bottle. I get to taste. You do get the taste. You can smell a lot more malt out of this one. Mm Mm-hmm. It's foamy, it's creamy. There's a bit of a a bit of a sweetness on the aftertaste, kind of lingering in the back. There's that like, you know, uh it, it's a malty sweetness with a little bit of the alcohol in there, but that's really good. I It's love a very this different one. presentation of an IPA than than the non-alcoholic style here. I have a very distinct memory of this beer, and it was my uh OSU my undergrad graduation weekend. 
and my whole family was up. My mom, my dad, my sister, uh, my grandparents. And I had a six pack of this and I cracked one open and my dad said, give me a beer. And I said, you want to try this one? And he cussed at me. He swore. It was not his beer. <laughs> I'll never forget the face that he made. It looked like he just bit into a, a whole lemon. Well, that's because he's used to drinking beer that's basically just pee with water in it. I mean, no judgment, but all the judgment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I love this beer. It's very nostalgic for me in my early 20s, so thought I'd have one. And I'll only have one because it's 7%, and then I'll probably take a nap. Exactly. But we can't take a nap yet. We have to continue this episode. Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game for today is one that we got our Kickstarter delivery of recently in the past month or so. It is Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum. It is from Hot Banana Games, designed by Pauline Kong, Marie Wong, and Heyman Lee, illustrated by Tim Chang, Grace Jayati, YDX Art. Development is Pauline Kong and Marie Wong. 3D design is Jose Su. Tabletop simulator mod is Alexi Minardo. Animal short stories, Sabrina Tang and Jason Chan. Editing, Jeff Frazier and Jonathan Liu. So this, Steam Up Here, A Feast of Dim Sum, is a very cute game that I saw hit Kickstarter like a year and a half ago and said, I have to have it. Don't care how it plays, have to have it. Uh, just because it's adorable and dim sum is delicious. Uh, so I picked it up, and it finally came in. Now, I did order the Deluxe Edition, which does have uh, mainly one big change that I consider... Uh, I don't want to say that it's necessary, but it definitely enhances. It's kind of like Quaxaquid Limburg, where like the, the, the better pieces in place of cardboard enhances the gameplay. I feel it's the same for this one. But this game is a... I don't want to say it's a set collection game, but it's kind of a... What would you kind of what would you call it? It is definitely a purchasing game. So you're basically collecting resources to trade in for your points. You're collecting all the ingredients. You're basically putting together your order. You're taking your meal tickets. You're collecting all the meal tickets that you want in order to exchange for a meal in one basket. Basically, so yes. So I guess probably like a resource management game. I bet it's like a is... collection resource management. It's collection. It is also planning. And it is also, depending on your little critter, you could have other ways that you're building points, too. It could be like a, uh, a race. It could also be a set collection of a different kind because your animals will give you special powers as well as they will give you special goals. And what are your animals, Delty Poo? Okay. So in this game, every player gets handed one of the Chinese Zodiacs. And so I was going to see if this had a list of them in here, but that's, um, you know, the chicken, the pig, goat, snake, dragon, monkey, rat, horse. Ox. Ox. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, we got a rat, an ox, a tiger, a rabbit, a dragon, a snake, a horse, a goat, a monkey, a rooster, or I guess chicken, a dog, and a pig. Those are the 12. The 12 uh, different Chinese zodiacs. And you get a player board, and each one of those has a different, a different way that it wants you to collect your pieces of dim sum. So in this game, you're going to have steamer baskets on the table. There are going to be six stacks of three. And within those steamer baskets, there's going to be either two, three, or four dim sum pieces per basket. 
Now, the deluxe components comes with physical, like little kind of squishy 3D dim sum pieces that I highly recommend if this game is something that you want because I do think that it elevates the play. However, it is not necessary to play the game. But each of your animals that you get, each of your player boards, is going to want you to do something different. So, for example, the one I played today was the pig, and the pig wants you to essentially have one. Uh, every set of each of the five different types of dim sum you get, you get bonus points. So instead of you just going, oh, I want all of the chicken feet, the uh, the phoenix claw, instead of having all phoenix claw all the way and getting just tons of points from that, it wants you to have one phoenix claw, one shrimp dumpling, one barbecue meat bun, one meat dumpling, and one sticky rice wrapped in lotus leaves. And then when you do that, you get bonus points. And then you can do that again for another set and again for another set. And not only are you assigned a Zodiac animal as your character, but your characters also have different personas. So, for example, Delton's little piggy that he was earlier was the influencer. And so if you think about the influencer, they want to get a set of everything for their pictures. They want to make sure it looks pretty. I had the horse this time. I was the fast eater. So I was able to take the uh, take a food action twice. I was able to take, you were able to take any action or twice. Or any action twice. And so I was a fast eater, so I was able to fill my board really, really quickly. The horse is busted. Uh, but last time, what did we play with last time, Delta? Do you remember? Last time, you were the rat, and I was the goat. Because I was the picky eater, where there's no designated spot on the my player board for dim sum. However, when I pick a row for dim sum, let's say for the meat dumpling... That's all that can go in that row. And my first three rows are much higher value than my bottom two. So I want to be picky and stick with the same ingredients. Where yours, your rat, was the gambler. And you basically just got to roll the dice a lot and try essentially getting things based on luck. Yes. And I really like the personas. Because, for example, the ox is the slow eater. But the ox is able He's to... He's the grandpa. The grandpa. He's able to reach across the aisle and grab... Uh, a dim sum off of someone else's uh, someone else's area. Yes, so to explain better how this game works, you're going to have a actual Lazy Susan. The board of this game has a little like attached centerpiece. It's lifted up off the table a tiny bit, and it functions as a Lazy Susan to take these six stacks of three steamer baskets where you can rotate them around the table. You are going to have a certain region on the board that you can take your dim sum from which means there are actions and other special things that allow you to rotate that Lazy Susan to bring the dim sum you want closer to you. As Haley said, the grandpa, which is the ox, is able to reach across and take from anywhere he wants to. So when you're playing this game, on your turn, you can take two actions, and they must be different unless you're the horse who has the ability to take two of the same action, which felt a little busted, but maybe the pig was just the wrong choice for its matchup. I'm not really complaining having been the horse and having won the game, but I'm just saying. That's true. Uh, But basically, you're going to have your little persona. You're going to start with food tokens, which is kind of like Haley said, food tickets. And then you're going to have two fortune cards. On your turn, you can either take a food token, which you will have to turn in food tokens to buy a steamer basket. If a basket has one phoenix claw, one meat dumpling, and one shrimp dumpling, then you must have uh, on your turn, if you one of your actions is to purchase a basket and it's in your appropriate region, you must have a token for one meat dumpling, a token for a phoenix claw, and a token for a shrimp dumpling. And then you're able to purchase that basket. So on your turn, you can either purchase a thing, 
take a food token, discard two fortune cards for a food token, draw a fortune card and rotate the turntable, the Lazy Susan, or play a fortune card and rotate the Lazy Susan. So there's not a ton of things you do on your turn. There's only those, what is that, five actions? Uh, there's only those to choose from, so turns are quick in this game. Uh, it's not super complex, uh, but you'll be able to manipulate uh, the playing area. There are cards that allow you to take the basket uh, on top of one of the dim sum stacks, one of the top baskets, and move it to the top of another stack, which is interesting. Some of them let you take dim sum out of the top baskets and give to yourself, so you just kind of like sneak in pieces rather than taking the full basket. And so it's really interesting uh, because you're able to manipulate the board and you really can sort of jack with your opponent's uh, plans because in this last game, Haley, if you weren't the horse and able to take so many food tokens on a turn because you could take two a turn if you wanted, I was kept moving your stuff around that you wanted, trying to prevent it, but you were like, I got so many resources, who cares? I really like this game and uh, Belt and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we first played it, but I, I think this game is less mean and more ornery. You can mess with yes. other people's stuff, but you're not going to completely screw somebody out of resources or their turn. It's more just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on with you. I'm going to poke at you, but I'm not going to be mean or rude. Yeah, because there is a little thing in the rulebook that says if you pr prefer a friendlier game, you can remove certain cards from the deck. And there's a fortune deck and fate deck. Uh, the fate cards, not on the first turn, but from the second turn and on you will reveal a fate card and it's going to be like a one-time thing, whether it be everybody takes one food token of their choice or everybody passes a token to their left or uh, everybody gets to roll the dice and receive some benefit or something like that. Uh, there's those as well. But yeah, you're not really targeting a single person. Like if I targeted you, the, the few cards that do, it's like pick an opponent, they have to give you a food token, but then uh, like you get to choose which one they get in return. Like, you're never just going to screw somebody out of something for the most part. And the turns are so simple and the game's so quick. Like me and Haley in the game we played today, it was 19 minutes. And given we were playing pretty quickly, it was on my short lunch break, but uh, still, it was a fast game. But anyway, so yeah, on your turn, you're going to be getting food tokens, buying dim sum, rotating the board by playing cards and all this different stuff. Uh, and then once either a certain number of steamer baskets have been purchased or if the fate deck, or is it the fortune deck? Oh, my brain. Uh, I don't know which one it is that triggers the end of the game. It's the fortune deck, I believe. I thought it was the fate deck. Uh, poopy, poopy, fate deck. Ah. So if you take too many turns, if you're not done after so long. Ah. Uh, but yeah, so if the fate deck runs out, those little like beginning of the turn things, or if you have, as a group, purchased so many steamer baskets, then the game will end. Uh, something about the steamer baskets... There is a little, I told you that each player has a region or a little zone of the Lazy Susan in which that they can take dim sum from, dim sum baskets. In each play count, two, three, four, and five, there are these little rings that you pick depending on the play count, and it goes on the board and sits in a certain fashion, and it shows you the delineation of where your uh, area is that you can buy dim sum from. So in a two-player game, you only each get a quarter of the board. So every once in a while, you share one basket that you could both purchase from. But if it shifts by 90 degrees, because every time you turn the Lazy Susan, it's 90 degrees unless otherwise stated, you shift by 90 degrees, now it's no longer shared. Each of you have your own separate two you can purchase from. 
And so that makes it really interesting. With three players, the board's divided into thirds. With four players, it's four quadrants. And then with five players, it's split into 20-20-20. And it looks like five players would probably be crazy to try to get what you're wanting to get. That would be a lot more like reactionary. I have to say, we've only played this two players so far, and it's been very fun. But I am extremely eager to play this with three, four, even five players. I think it's going to make it a little more hairy, a little more ornery, too. I do want to see how it plays with more players. So that's really basically this game. It's not a difficult game to play. It's not a difficult game to understand. It's not a super deep, complex game. But I think that it fits what I wanted from it really well. Because I wanted something that's like, I can get this out with someone, especially someone who loves dim sum or knows dim sum or just enjoys, you know, games that have cute little gimmicks with them. There's a tie in for you uh, for later. This is one of those games you can get out. It doesn't take too long to set up. And then you play it in 30, 45 minutes, probably with new players. And then it's just a fun time. And if people want to play again, you can. But it's nice and simple. It's easy. And we really enjoyed it. Um, I just think it's fantastic. If you don't know, I should have said this in the beginning. If you don't know what dim sum is, you should Google dim sum, D-I-M space S-U-M. In the book here, I'm going to read this. Commonly translated as touching the heart, dim sum are bite-sized dishes served in bamboo steamer baskets or on small plates. This cuisine is commonly enjoyed in the morning or early afternoon and shared amongst family and friends. As tea is often served alongside dim sum, yum cha translated as drinking tea, is used interchangeably with dim sum. And we have had dim sum two times in our life, one of which was at Fung's Kitchen down in Oklahoma City, which is fantastic. Uh, They're not bamboo steamer baskets. They're actually metal. And then one time was at Chef Kinney's, which we talked about in Las Vegas. I think we talked about that after we came back from Vegas. We did, yes. Uh, They bring those all on plates. But... Absolutely love dim sum. Generally, each steamer basket is one ingredient in this game. That wouldn't make sense. You have to mix it all up. But there you go. There is Steam Up, a feast of dim sum. Uh, Very fun game. If it sounds like something you would like, I recommend looking into it. Oh, hey, look, a list of all the uh, Zodiacs. Well, look at that. I should have done that. That would have been way easier. We can rewind. Oh, no, I'm not. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what are are we rewinding for? We're going to rewind to this is a game that has a gimmick. Like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today's episode, we wanted to discuss board game gimmicks or board games with gimmicks, however you want to look at it, because you can very easily just grab a board game that's cards or grab a board game that's just a board and some tokens. And boom, you have a great board game. Arguably, some of the best board games ever are just those components. Like, go fish. There you go. Uh, sure. <laughs> I almost agreed with you, and then I kind of <laughs> had to hesitate, and I was like, all right, whatever. I don't want to. It's fine. Anyway, Steam Up has a gimmick. The gimmick is the Lazy Susan and the Steamer Baskets. Those are the gimmick component of it, but something about gimmicks, a lot of times I feel like people hear the word gimmick, and they think of the... Uh, negative connotation of something being gimmicky, and there can be that. However, we none of the situations I think that we're going to bring up do we consider these things a negative gimmicky. It's no. a gimmick more of the definition of... What would be the definition of gimmick? So something that is attention-grabbing, uh, something that is different, something that is 
like a fun. Something that makes it just fun. Like it's it, not necessary. Yeah. But it, it just makes it more fun. It's kinda it, like sprinkles. Sprinkles it, on a cupcake. It's 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 a gimmick is in the middle between baseline and superfluous. Right? Yes. Like superfluous would be just like that's unnecessary, too much, nobody needs it's right in the middle. Yeah. Where like, no, you don't really necessarily need it, which we'll also talk about, but it's still actually functional in most ways. And it adds to the game. And it adds to the game. And in, in Steam Up, I was talking to Haley about this. Steam Up could have been played with a circular board and a, uh, six stacks of three cards from a deck where you shuffle, you know, whatever. And that could have been the game and you just turn the board instead. Yeah, it would have functioned basically the same if you had enough uh, variety on the cards that you could shuffle up or whatever. But you could do that. That would work. But having the actual little Lazy Susan, having the actual steamer baskets elevates this game to make it look amazing on the table. I think that it makes the play a lot more fun than if these were just cards. It, there's something about it that it just it, it ups it. It makes it feel better. You're like, oh, I like this. And having the baskets, too. Like, we have actual little plastic baskets, and yep. you get to take them off and take the food out. And you, it's kind of like when you do go to dim sum. Like, you get a little dish off the cart, and you set the dish to the side, and your dishes start to stack up, and that's how they charge you. Like, okay, you've had three of the lotus uh, wrapped lotus leaf wrapped rice dishes. That's $3 each. Or you've mm-hmm. had two steam buns. That's $2 each. And so I really like that part. It's Yes, it is gimmicky, and yes, it's unnecessary, but oh, my gosh, it makes the game. It really does elevate the game. And that's the big thing we wanted to come in here and talk about some board game gimmicks for because board game gimmicks, I feel like they do ride a line between there's some games that's just unnecessary. Why do you have that? And there's some games where it's like, yes, love it. Needs to always be there. One of my favorite examples, uh, because I think the game cannot function without it, is Potion Explosion. Yes. It's all marbles falling in a little track. You're manipulating the marbles based on that and, you know, all that comes along with just marbles in a hopper, basically. But the game literally would not work, I don't think, without that contraption. And it's just fantastic. It looks neat. It makes the play more fun, I think. And it's one of those gimmicks that is an, almost pretty much a necessity for that game. And one that isn't much, as much of a necessity, but I think really adds to the game, are the sunglasses and Junta. Yes, Junta Viva El Presidente is a game that we have from Z-Man. I don't know how old this game is now. It's Uh, like 2013, 2012, if not older. I think it's a little older than that, but I don't know for sure. But anyway, basically in it, uh, you're all vying for control to be the Junta. Is it in Cuba? No, I think it's an unspecific South American country, but a Junta is like whenever you take over the government. Okay, so basically you're doing that. Well, whoever is the Junta, or essentially the president, you have a pair of really shitty sunglasses you have to put on. You don't have to, but it's fun to put them on because you're putting on these sunglasses and everyone looks at you and then they all, like, I think part of it is that it makes you want to go, I just want to punch you. And that's the point. You're trying to then get that power from that player. They're definitely Gaddafi glasses. Yes, for sure. Uh, And part of what you were saying about it is that it makes it, for you, you're seeing, it's harder to see with those on. Yeah, it's harder to see your cards. It's harder to see what's on the board because like Delton said they're a really shitty pair of sunglasses and so I feel like in a way it blinds you to what the other characters are doing or the other players are doing so it makes it more likely you're going to fall victim to the junta and lose your glasses and no longer be president you'll be ousted a coup if you will see that's that's a an area where the gimmick uh, it does add to the game but it is extremely unnecessary but I love it whereas one of the other points that we were talking not really points but uh, the 3D glasses in Red Scare Ben's game 
the 3D glasses and Red Scare are a necessity to play that game because the cards function by using 3D glasses and being able to, you know, get uh, the different information off the cards that have different information. Hi, Ben. You're my friend. Hi, Ben. Uh, but that's one of those things where that game is an absolute necessity because the game was built with that in mind, or at least it was. It came to the conclusion that that was the necessary step to take to make the game function that in the way that it needed to function. Where Junta was a lot more just like this is goofy, but it also still adds to the game. Both of those add a lot, I feel like, to that game. Absolutely. One of my favorites, even though I've only played it once and I own it and I need to play it again, I really do is Sulkin, the Mayan calendar. Yes. Where you have the gears. There's a set of three gears on the board. And as you place your workers and stuff, these gears rotate and move the workers. And it's just, it's one of those things where you could, oh, that's my alarm. I got to take my medicine. You could go in and play that game by just moving your people every round. But the gears make it so much better. And there are some other specific things with the gears as well. But man, that really just adds to that game. It's very satisfying. And I think another game that is similarly satisfying is Wavelength. You know, the the Wavelength uh, big dial, I guess, if you will. No, you could use that in another way. You know, you could have like a cardboard card on the table. But there's something nice about having this big plastic wheel up in front of you. And you do the big reveal. Are you right? Are you incorrect? And it's very satisfying to unclick that and see uh, how how close you were to winning or how close you are on the same wavelength with your with your friend or your spouse and that's one of those two i was thinking initially of like how could you replicate the way wavelength plays without the dial and i was like it's impossible there's no way you could literally have a set of cards that are 0 10 20 30 40 50 60 70 80 90 100% have it illustrated and that's it you pick one, you place it down. They, uh, The other team, the guessers, have a deck just like that. They say, we think it's the 40% card. And then you just score based on, uh, basically you could score, you know, in, in Wavelength itself, it's like if you're a little away, you get a few less points. If you're a little further, it's one, one point and then it's nothing. You could just do basically the same thing where it's like if your answer was 60 and they picked uh, 50 or 70, they still get points. But if they picked... Uh, 40 or 80 they don't get points or something like it could be done how boring versus the wavelength wheel yeah it would work the game would still be fun but that wheel really does add so much to that game it does i don't know board game gimmicks are one of those things that i really do think that in some situations it the game it's a necessity for it when it's built around that specifically but then i think there are ones that just elevate the game idea in such a way like wavelength like steam up that it's just something that you kind of have to have at that point. Because if you didn't, I think it would just take away a lot of what makes those games. And it's not that they're not good games, but I think that if you took all that away, it really would just lessen the experience. It's kind of like going on a uh, going on a roller coaster. Imagine a really fun roller coaster, but imagine it's not in a theme park and there's no like there's no loud music, there's no announcements. You just get on and they just hit go. And you just kind of loop around and then it stops and you just get off and there's no park. There's no, when you take out that excess experience around it, it's still fun. It's just not the same. I want to be shot out of a powder keg over the Ozarks. <laughs> or you want to go on the, uh, 
Mount Everest and see the Yeti and you know what I mean? And like, go backwards. That stuff adds right. so much to the experience of the roller coaster. And I feel like it's the same for board games. They're not always necessary, but I enjoy them a lot. Are there any more we can think of before we wrap this section up and move on to finish this out so we can start making dinner? I think there's lots of games that really use gimmicks well. I think that we covered a good amount, and I think that I'm getting hungry for dim sum. I am too. That means we're going to go to the question. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special bite-sized question. So speaking of being hungry for dim sum, Haley, what is your favorite dim sum? Oh, gosh. I know we've talked about this earlier in this episode and on a previous episode, but we went to Chef Kenny's uh, dim sum. It was an all-vegan dim sum joint in Vegas. I got a mushroom steam bun. It had like four kinds of mushrooms in it. And I have beautiful, beautiful dreams about that steam bun. And I would fly to Vegas just to have Chef Kenny's dim sum and get that mushroom steam bun again. It was delightful, delicious, delectable. Highly recommend. 100% would go again. What about you? Every time you bring up that steam bun, I think of the ones we get at Super Cow. Those are really good, too. They're mushrooms and cabbage and love. But this one had, like, a ton of mushrooms. Yeah. And it was like a almost like a barbecue, and it was delicious. It really was. That place was good. For me, my favorite always was always the barbecue pork buns. And so now, whenever we go like Chef Kinney's, it was the vegan version of the barbecue pork bun. And I just, I love that. That's my favorite. What I really love that I, Chef Kinney's, I don't think had these, but I know that Fung's Kitchen does. And it's the, it's not a steamed bun. It's an actual baked style bun where it's like got the crust on top. Those I think were like my favorite favorite. But anyway, the barbecue steamed buns were good. The Phoenix Claw, the chicken feet. A lot better than I expected. I never knew what to expect. You're basically just eating the skin, which if you if you like chicken skin off a of fried chicken, you're going to like chicken's feet. That's all it is, and it's really good. So anyway, friggin' dim sum's great. I wish we had a vegan dim sum place around here, but one of these days we'll go back to Chef Kinney's or something. Closest one's Houston. Let's go. We can get there in like, you know, 14 hours. The place is way down there. It's only a state away. It's the next state over. It's our neighboring state. It's basically in Louisiana. <laughs> it's right there. Well, anyway, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. Let's give a big shout out to our Patreon patrons. Uh, thank you so much to Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff. Thank you for backing us at a level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. And thank you so much to our other Patreon patrons for supporting us as well. For this episode, I meant to mention this earlier, but I did not. Uh, I am going to, I've been doing the video version of the podcast for our Patreon, uh, Patreon patrons. I am going to put a pause on that momentarily because I have been unable to find a flow in that in which I can not only get them out on time, but that is not taking me an excessive amount of time to get done. Uh, once I can streamline my process better and get all that, then I won't mind that at all. And I will start it back up and I will definitely make an announcement for that. Because uh, we enjoyed doing the video, but I would like to make at least a few changes before we can get back into it. If the videos didn't take me probably double the time it takes me to do the standard podcast at this point, then it wouldn't be too bad. Maybe not double, but it's a lot of time. It's more time than it takes me for the podcast. Uh, but I want to try to figure something else out. But once I get that done, I will let you know and we will go back to doing that. And hopefully at some point, putting that out for everybody to be able to watch once we kind of perfect our methods. 
But with that being said, make sure to go follow us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. What and are you going to say? I was going to tell you that uh, Chef Kenny's in Houston is only a six and a half hour drive. We leave right now. It takes the same amount of time to get to Austin. How? Let's go. How is that possible? Turnpike. <laughs> what the hell? It's not Turnpike. I guess Texas Turnpike. Texas Turnpike. Does the Texas Turnpike go all the way down there? State pay. Let's go. Plate pay. No, Let's d- go. Does it? I don't know. Oh. That'd be cool, but I don't know either. Anyway, yes. Uh, I for- You're screwing me up now. <laughs> if, if there's a game that you think we need to talk about on the show, a topic you want us to discuss, a question to answer, or a beer we should look for, be sure to send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. Haley's over here just handing me your phone that says, Chef Kenny's Vegan Asian Cuisine, and I want to go. How is that a they vegan fish? They have vegan fish? sushi. Look at that. Mm, that Let's looks, go. I don't know how. That All looks right. really good. We'll see you guys later whenever we no, get back from Houston. No, stop it. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. Anyway, we're going to go cook some dinner. It is wrestling night because it is currently Wednesday night. Um, Was there something else? I feel like there's something I'm missing here. Until next time. Okay, until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We will see you folks later. C960 Crispy Beef. Bye. (laughs) 